Hello and happy 1989 Taylor's version day to all who celebrate. If you are not listening to this episode on Friday, October 27th, it can still be National 1989 Taylor's version day. Like any day can be anything. I think that's really I think that's really something that we should be preaching and practicing. Um but welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. Uh, at this time, you've already listened to Slut by Taylor Swift. Now, to imagine that our ears have been graced by that song and now your ears are being graced by me is something that I am eternally thankful and grateful for. But I really am looking forward to 1989 Taylor's version. If you couldn't tell, I think I'm in a big 1989 phase of my life and it feels... It feels apropos, so I'm very much so looking forward to listening tomorrow. I'm recording this on Thursday. And hi, this episode is going to be part two of our conversation about the mid-20s slump. I feel like since we had that conversation, I've talked to more people. I've watched media and taken in a lot of like more information. I've come up with more thoughts. Will this ever conversation ever be over? I don't think so. I think in 10 years, we'll be talking about how it feels to be 35. But right now we're going to talk about how it feels to be 25. Not without updates though, of course. So I'm going to a wedding this Halloween weekend. I'm very excited. It's my first like wedding of my peers. It's one of my boyfriend's friends. I think it's going to be really fun. And I have to say it does feel weird to be in an era of my life where like people I know are getting married And I don't know what I thought that would feel like, to be honest. I think that's something that I've been grappling with lately. Like, I didn't know what I thought that being 25 would be like. Like, I don't remember thinking a lot about it other than being like, oh, sure, I'll have it all figured out and I'll be married. And I'm not. I'm not. I ate an entire box of crackers last night and cried watching an episode of Sex in the City. So I'm definitely not married. But... I I don't know what I thought it would feel like for people I know to get married, but it feels kind of just like fun. Like I feel very content with the fact that it's okay to be 25 and single. It's okay to be 25 and dating. It's okay to be 25 and married. It's okay to be 25 and have a kid. Like I think we talked about this a lot in last week's episode, but like the anything goes of it all is almost comforting in a sense. It's like both like evil and comforting. It's both the villain and the hero because it's like, okay, well, if anything goes, I don't know what the fuck that I'm supposed to be doing then. But on the same note, in the same breath, if anything goes, then anything goes. And like, we can all just like live, laugh, love our way there. So I'm very excited for the wedding. It's in Dallas. I've never been to Dallas. So we're living, loving and learning that. I will be coming back on Sunday for hashtag Wicked 20. It is the 20th anniversary of Wicked the Musical, which I feel like it was just the 15th anniversary. And I remember I was like producing a show at Michigan and they had like a broadcast to celebrate the 15th anniversary and Ariana Grande sang The Wizard and I and Adam Lambert sang As Long As You're Mine. And it's like a really fucking good rendition. And then like all the Glindas and Alphabas were there and it was so fabulous. It feels like that just happened. But I also, like, don't know, like, how I could be any further. Like, I feel like that was also, like, I was a child then. But I still feel like a child now. So nothing really makes sense. But 
that'll be my weekend. I'm not too upset about the fact that I won't be doing like a big Halloween costume moment. I've never been like a Halloween girly in the way that I think I have the potential to be. Like in my heart, mind, body, and spirit, I have the potential to be the ultimate Halloween girly, but unfortunately it just never works out that way for me. I feel like October's always been a busy month for me and I never... I never get on with the program like I should as it relates to Halloween. But anyway, uh, as as of right now, let's switch gears. I am reading The Vanishing Half. I feel a little bit late to this game, but I don't care because it's so good. It's just so good. Like if you've been looking for something to read, like a typical porch read, like nothing like crazy, crazy dense, but nothing crazy, crazy beach read, like something in the middle of like Emma by Jane Austen and... um and um, an Emily Henry book, you're going to pick up The Vanishing Half. It's amazing so far. And I'm very excited to like keep reading. I think I'm going to read on the plane tomorrow. Speaking of books, the Britney Spears of it all. I don't know if anyone's read it yet. I want to read it because I also want to listen to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast episode about it because that podcast episode sounded like it was so fucking good. And I really like those girlies. So I want to definitely read the book so that I can listen. I don't know if like you guys listen to that podcast and kind of what your perspective is. Like, I feel like I typically like to read the book first or I like to be reading the book concurrently with listening to them talk about it. I don't know. I just like, I like to get my own thoughts and feelings out first and then take theirs in. Cause I typically find myself like, really fucking with all the stuff they say about the books that they've read but I want to make sure that I like first have my own brain like wrapped around the book so I'm trying to get my hands on a copy so I can read it I haven't been able to find it slash I did go try to buy it and they didn't have it at this one bookstore that I went to which was weird to me they were probably sold out but I don't know if anyone's reading it but I just love Britney and I like truly justice for Britney I feel so bad for her I love her so much that's our girl and I'm honestly proud of her. Like, I hope she's making bank. She's going to be on the New York Times bestseller list next week for sure. And just good for Britney. Like, put yourself out there, queen. Get your bag. You deserve it. Like, she's been through so much and people are so mean to her. And I'm just over that. Like, I'm very, I'm glad for our author queen. Speaking of media, I saw The Great Gatsby at Paper Mill Playhouse on Sunday. You know, I just, listen. Eva Noblezada, Jeremy, and um, the rest of the cast are phenomenal. It has nothing to do with the cast. It was giving me bad Cinderella vibes, to be honest, where, like, the cast was so, so, so good, and the show was so not up to their standard, like, not even close. I just don't understand, and it frustrates and aggravates me so much that we continue to adapt stories that do not need to be adapted for the stage for the stage and we put them on big stages and eventually on Broadway and those stories that don't need to be told push out stories that do need to be told like ain't no mo like k-pop like a strange loop like jesus fuck i'm sorry i hate f scott fitzgerald he's a terrible person who if you want to know anything about him he emotionally and manipulate like he emotionally abused and manipulated his wife zelda he was stealing all of her writing and publishing it under his own name like he probably like fucking half his shit he didn't even write and he was just like a terrible guy. His wife had a lot of like mental health issues and became very mentally ill and he abandoned her. He just sucks so bad. And like the story of The Great Gatsby is like not 
important or interesting to me at all. And like, especially not right now. And I feel like if someone were to come in and maybe the Florence Welch version will do this, like the other Gatsby that's getting adapted. If someone were to come in right now and completely 180 this shit and like, give me something dynamic or interesting or at least entertaining, maybe I would change my tune, but a bland, like just completely bland production of a story, putting this terrible, awful man on a pedestal is so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. And also the problem right now is that the reason that there are so many adaptations on Broadway and like so much like sort of like tourist grabby stuff is because they need to fill seats because COVID obviously fucked the theater industry over and they desperately need to fill seats. But it's like, you're going to fill seats with tourists and you're going to show them this. And it's not, it's not good. It's not good. Like the actors are incredible. The performers are so good, but the show isn't God. I'm just so frustrated because it's just like, go see the original diverse theater right now on Broadway, off Broadway, wherever you are, it needs your support. It needs our support desperately. Like that's really what I learned from this production. It in like F Scott Fitzgerald literally enrages me as a person. And so it enrages me that we're like, there was like a big ass poster at the paper mill playhouse. Like learn more about F Scott Fitch. I was like, no, God, why? I just hate him so much because of what he did to his wife. Like seriously, she's my queen. And like people will say she had an affair. Okay. Like, wouldn't you, if your husband was acting that way? I don't know. She couldn't have left him. That wasn't really an option in her day and age. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from one of our sponsors. You guys, it's that busy time of year again. Schedules are getting so chaotic. We're throttling toward the holidays and really like our basic human needs have gone on the back burner a little bit. One of those might be cooking. You guys know I'm in this era of my life where I want to feed myself to feel full and I've been trying to steer clear from like a smorgasbord of what's left in my fridge and try to do something nutritious and dedicated and intentional. Like sometimes I'm just like going full chaos and it's like sweet potato fries that are frozen, like leftover pasta, a scoop of peanut butter. It's very girl dinner. So instead of grabbing those random items left in my fridge, I have been using Daily Harvest to get delicious, quick and satisfying meals delivered right to my door. They have soups and harvest bowls. I think a lot of people think, okay, Daily Harvest has smoothies, which is very true. They have fruit and veg packed smoothies, but they also have these forager bowls. They have so many different options. They have like flatbreads. Also, you could do like the portobello and pesto flatbread, the apple and cinnamon forager bowl, which is a great snack or breakfast. With Daily Harvest, I get so many easy to prep options. So I don't have to even think about what to cook for my next meal. I also love a frozen item. Like it's absolutely incredible. By working directly with farmers, Daily Harvest secures the best ingredients and freezes them at peak ripeness to lock in that always in season taste and just picked nutrition. What you see is what you eat. So keep yourself and your freezer full with hassle-free meals from Daily Harvest. You guys can go to dailyharvest.com slash miss, M-I-S-S, to get up to, wait for it, $65 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash M-I-S-S, miss, for $65 off your first box. Happy snacking. I love you. Now that the rant is over... I wanted to remind you guys about book tour dates, about coming to book tour, buying your tickets. We're going to be in Boston, Philly, D.C., and then Atlanta, Chicago, St. Louis, and Nashville, 
and where else? I'm forgetting somewhere, but it's going to come to me. Houston, Dallas, Texas, and also Austin, Texas. And also there's a free event in New Jersey at River Road Books on the 16th. There's the New York event on the 12th of December in Sony Hall. And we have some amazing guests. Like you guys, one of them has been a guest on this podcast before. I've been a guest on one of the other person's, like one of the other guests, I've been a guest on their podcast before. And one of them has written a book recently. And that's all you get to know for now. But I'm very excited about that. And we're just trucking along. So make sure you get your tickets to tour. I did my first feature shoot today for the book in book press. It was very cool and exciting and so fun and like official, honestly. And again, I say justice for the models. Every time someone takes pictures of me for like fucking 20 minutes or an hour, I'm literally like, how do models do their job? Like, first of all, how like I just don't understand like if you're a model go off like that's a hard day of work if you have to stand in front of a camera and like act and express for like eight hours at a time people just don't give them enough credit because I just did it for one hour and I'm not even kidding you by the end of it I was like I'm tired like I'm ready to go home and have a snack anyway though you guys are not here to hear me rant today well perhaps you are I don't know why you come or where you come from to listen to this podcast which often turns into a ramble that I don't mind. Sometimes I figure things out that I've been thinking about while we talk and it's very, it's great. I love it. But you guys are here today to talk about the mid-20s slump. Now, a little bit of required listening before we get into it. Please listen to my first episode on mid-20s slumps because I think that that I think a lot of the emotions that I was experiencing then that of course I'm still experiencing are really relevant and pertinent to today's discussion, which is just going to go a little bit deeper into those themes. Now, if you don't feel like doing that because you've already committed to this, fine. Maybe go back and listen to it after. I think it's just like, it'll bolster this conversation to listen to that conversation. And yes, this is a conversation. It does not need to be a one-sided discussion of me talking at you or to you. I want to make sure that like, you guys come into the DMs and like, let's talk about some of this stuff because that's the way that I'm able to like formulate my thoughts even more and in a more succinct and intelligent way is when I get to open dialogues and conversations with you guys. And before we get started talking about these things, I just want to remind everyone and acknowledge that I'm not a doctor. I don't have a degree in psychology or anything like that. I'm just talking about my feelings and the feelings of the people around me in the hopes that we all feel a little bit less alone or we just feel more comfortable talking about these things because it can just be like so troubling to feel like you're the only one feeling this way because nobody's talking about it. And I promise you, you're not the only one feeling this way. It's just that literally nobody's talking about it. And that's that's why I do what I, you know what? That's why I do what I do. I think for the longest time, I had all of these thoughts and feelings and emotions around being in my mid twenties, being 25 years old. And I was like, oh, I'm a freak. Like nobody else feels this way. Nobody else feels wildly unprepared or unsure of their next step or anxious about whether or not what they're doing is the right thing to do because all of their peers seem to be doing something different and nobody has really brought up the fact that they feel uncomfortable and sort of unmoored and detached. Like for a really long time, I was like, I'm a freak. There's something wrong with me. 
And maybe I just need to ignore the way that I'm feeling right now because I literally feel like a little kid playing dress up in her mom's high heeled shoes. But I'm thinking to myself as the little kid, like, okay, one day I'm going to feel so put together and sure of myself. And then I never do. And that's, that can be disappointing. And then I started talking about this on my podcast, on this podcast, on our podcast. And you guys started coming into my DMs being like, no, I feel the same way. Let's talk more about it. And that's what inspired me to talk about this again. So this is part two of the mid 20 slump pod. And I have thoughts, feelings, and emotions as I always do. And so I think we're just going to get into it. And again, again, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Please go to therapy, talk to your people, lean on your communities. And yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I think when I started to feel this way was when I turned like 23 or 24. In my early 20s, right after college, especially during COVID, I kind of felt like it was okay that I felt a little like a mess. But then I started to feel concerned that I felt a little bit like a mess or a little unsure of myself in my next step or a little bit not put together when I turned 23, 24. And then I just realized eventually that being in your mid-20s is sort of a shock. It's like a cold plunge. Everyone loves a cold plunge these days. It's like a cold plunge in a bad way. I sometimes really feel like I'm standing in my underwear in front of literally everybody I know and everyone that I know is laughing at me and they're laughing at my decisions and they're laughing at the shit that I'm posting about or they're laughing at my career choices or they're laughing just at me. And it's every person that I've ever met staring at me. And that's not happening. Like, mind you, like nobody's obsessed with me in that way. Like we all like to think that everyone's obsessed with us, but they're not. But still it does feel like every, because every decision you make could be right because anything is allowed when you're in your mid twenties, you could be married, engaged. You could have a baby. You could be dating. You could be single. You could be trying out a new job, starting over, moving to a new place, moving out of your parents' house. You could be studying, going to school, bartending. There's like, there's a million things that you could be doing. And I think that because nothing is the right way, everything that you personally choose feels like the wrong way, especially if it's not the same things that your peers are doing, or especially if it's not the same things as the people that you look up to are doing. And I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot is that I, I follow a lot of aspirational people who are my age or just slightly older on the internet who are in different life chapters than I am. And they're not ahead of me in any way because there's no such thing as that, which we'll get to, but they're just in different life chapters. And I feel like I can find them aspirational and look up to them without needing to be them. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know an example of like someone that I watch where I'm like, oh, your home and your life and your child or your dog or whatever you have that I don't have right now is aspirational to me in a way, but I don't want to be you. And I think we confuse the two. I feel like we feel that when we find someone aspirational, we have to also want to be them. And then it gets confusing because it's like, well, what if I don't want that? And there's nothing more stressful than realizing that you don't want something that you think you're supposed to want or that other people have or that you think you're supposed to have. I think a good example could be like you go on a date with a super nice person and they're just great. There's nothing wrong with them, but you don't see a romantic future with them. And you get kind of mad at yourself because how you're like, how is it that I want to date someone nice so fucking badly? And then I meet someone who's nice and checks my boxes and they want to be in a committed relationship and I don't feel anything for them. And I think there's really nothing more stressful than not wanting something that you want yourself to want. And I think that that's true of like a lot of things. There's a lot of 
people that are in their mid twenties who are like, well, I don't really want to get married, but maybe they wish that they did because it would like fit more into society's idea of like what's right. Maybe they don't, they don't want to have children and they want themselves to want that. Like they almost don't trust their gut. And I think it's so important for us right now to trust our gut. If you don't want kids then you don't want kids. If you don't want to get married, then you don't want to get married. That is no better or worse than wanting kids or wanting to get married. You get to choose. Like, let let us all not forget that this is our fucking life. This is your fucking life. Like, please let it sink in. You have one thing. You own one thing and it's your life. Like, that's literally the only thing that's 100,000% yours. That is yours. So what are we doing, like, trying to convince ourselves out of our own wants What are we doing trying to convince ourselves that we're not in the right space, that it's not the right time, that we're not doing the right thing, that we're not on the right path? This is your life. Whatever you want, you can make changes to go out and try to get it. You know what I mean? And I think that there's this prevailing idea that there are people that are ahead of us. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, I'm always trying to break things down. And I'm like, what does that mean that someone's ahead of you? Like, when I'm like, oh, someone's ahead of me, I'm like, well, they have a kid or they're engaged, they're married. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to be engaged or married and I don't want a child right now. Or it's like they've bought a house and it's like, well, I live in Jersey City, but New York City, like I'm not buying a house right now. I, mm, like, mm, like, you know, like, I, I, like they're not ahead of me because I don't want those things right now. And maybe they're looking at me thinking she's ahead of me for X, Y, Z reason. Like, I think that we kind of, we're like, in our own lane driving our car, but we're like trying to merge into other lanes, even though the other lanes are like congested and traffic heavy. And there's like no, like we're not getting off the road. So there's no reason to go into the other lane. Like you can stay in your lane. Your lane is great. Your lane is gorgeous. Like there's no traffic on your lane right now. Just drive. You know what I mean? And we like almost can't do that. And it's, it's because of social media. We feel like we can't stay in our own lane. We feel like our own lane isn't good enough. Let me just say this. Your lane is perfect. Your lane is the lane for your car, baby. Stay in that lane. I think that I figured out where the crux of the discomfort comes from. And I think it's a lot of people like, well, it's the transition to adulthood or whatever. And I'm like, but what does that mean? It's the transition from reliance on others. And I'm including like academic structures in others, like high school and college, like the idea that your schedule is ruled by school and going to class and you're like, school provides you with like extracurricular activities and you're relying on your parents and you're relying on your home where you live with them and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you're expected to be a hundred percent reliant on just yourself. And in college, you're expected to be like 60% reliant on yourself, but the school fills in the gaps. So it eases the transition, but no, no one really like helps to ease the transition out of school and into just life. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm literally only relying on myself. Like I'm cooking myself food. I'm putting myself to bed and getting myself up in the morning. And for me, it's like, I work for myself. So I'm making my own schedule. I'm choosing where and when I want to socialize and with who I'm like in charge of all of this. And like, imagine if I just like plopped a baby onto your lap right now. And I was like, you're in charge of all of this. You would be like, no, I'm not, I can't. And I feel like that's kind of how it feels to leave college and go into the real world. You're like, I can't like, what do you mean? But, but it's just like expected of us. So we're all like, 
okay, we're going to do it. And then we all have to pretend like we fucking know what we're doing or else we fear looking dumb. Now, let me make something. Let me just make something so like, again, let me just make something so clear to you guys. No one knows what they're doing and everyone's pretending that they know what they're doing. And the reason they're pretending is that everyone thinks everyone else knows what they're doing. And they're like, well, I better fucking fake it right now because I don't know what I'm doing. And I got to make it look online like I know what I'm doing because everybody else online looks like they know what they're doing. Let me make it so clear. Nobody knows what they're doing. Literally nobody knows what they're doing in their mid-20s. Nobody has one thought in their brain of what they're doing or what makes sense or like where they're going. Like everybody's fucking confused. Nobody has it figured out. Like everybody is 25 and scared and stressed and confused. And everybody is making it seem like they're not doing that because that's like the trend. You have to make it seem like you have it all together online. Like it it doesn't make you a bad adult to not have it all together. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a mess. It doesn't make you unorganized. It doesn't make you like need to get your shit together. Your shit is fine. It's together. It's together. And did you get up today and you took a shower? You did your obligations. You fed yourself. You, you, maybe you exercised. You saw friends. You watched your favorite show. You washed your face. You did your skincare. You did a lot. You got a lot of shit done. You're not a bad adult. We're all trying to figure it out right now. And let me make it clear. Nobody has it all figured out. And that is just, that's a fact that I think we all need to hear more often. Okay, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about one of my favorite sponsors. This episode of Miss Congeniality is sponsored by Better Help. Have you ever had a time in your life when you knew what was good for you, but your brain was just getting in the way? Like you had racing thoughts when you were trying to go to sleep or you just felt like you couldn't focus. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Because I definitely do. And whenever I felt that way, one of the biggest things that have helped me is going to therapy consistently. I go to therapy even when I'm feeling like my best self as a premeditative measure just to make sure that I'm putting one foot in front of the other and continuing on my healing journey and just being my best self. I absolutely love therapy. It's one of my favorite parts of my week. It's something I do for me and that just feels so good. Therapy is so helpful for so many reasons like learning positive coping skills and setting boundaries and it really empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's really convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if somebody isn't working, if you don't feel like it's a good fit, which is absolutely amazing. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. You guys can visit betterhelp.com slash miss, M-I-S-S, today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash miss. Love you. One thing that we really didn't talk a lot about in the first episode is sort of this idea of perception in your mid-20s and body image. And I feel like one thing that I felt for a really long time is I don't feel like I look like the idea of being 25. I don't feel like I look like an adult or like I could be taken seriously. And I don't feel like I look... 
I really just don't feel like I look 25 and like a like an adult. Like I feel like I look 16 years old or again, like I'm playing dress up in my mom's closet and it gives me a lot of anxiety because I fear that other people are looking at me being like, there's no way that girl's 25. She looks like a fucking hot mess and like she's trying to play dress up in her mom's closet and it just gives me a lot of anxiety about being perceived both on the internet and off the internet and it in the result, I, I think the reason for that happening is the internet. Like I see people who are my age, I see the Hailey Biebers of the world and I say, well, I do not look like I have my shit together like that. I don't look like an adult like she does. Like I literally feel like a little kid. And I think then what it causes me to do is have all this maintenance to make myself look better or more serious. And it, and it, and it, it's such like a capitalist nightmare because it causes me to spend money. Sometimes I sit at my nail appointment and I'm like, what am I doing? Like literally, what am I doing? I hate getting my nails done. I don't even care when they're done or not. It's literally a two and a half hour appointment to get these like acrylic tips and the refill and whatever. And I'm going to pay hundreds of dollars. And like, I want to support a small business, obviously. But you guys know what I'm saying. Like sometimes I'm getting my nails done and I'm like, what is this? And when does it end? When does the nightmare end? The fact that I have, that I think I have to come here every two and a half weeks to get my nails done for what? I don't even like having them done. Like I can do them at home. It's just, it's just these crazy realizations of like the extents that I will go to. And maybe nails is not a good example, but like the, the products I feel as though I need to make myself look like I'm 25, like I'm 25. Who the fuck cares how I look? As long as I think I, as long as I like myself and I feel good about myself, it's just really sort of sad and exhausting that I feel that I have to do like maintenance for whatever reason. And it's just like, I think the problem is that I know people are perceiving me because I perceive people because that's just like being human, but I don't know how they perceive me and it causes me so much distress. And I think TikTok has like greatly exacerbated that in both ways. Like number one, showing us this like beauty standard constantly and pushing that in front of our faces. And then conversely, like being cruel to us when we do post ourselves online I'm trying to do what I always do and be super intentional about my like appearance. Like when I get dressed, I'm like, do you want to wear this? Or are you thinking about other people? Do you feel pretty today? Or are you thinking about other people? Do you like that thing and doing that? Is that something that you want to incorporate into your life? Or are you thinking about other people? And that certainly helped me. But I just think the internet has really, really, really exacerbated the pain points of being in your mid-20s and of being in that post-grad slump and of being in that mid-20s sort of crisis funk. Like the internet has not made it better for us. It's frankly made it worse. And I, I saw a video today that I thought was so interesting by a creator who's M-A-Y-I talks, like talking, Mai, Maya, something like that. Maya talks. Um, I don't know how to pronounce anything, so I'm apologizing in advance for that, but that's how you spell it. She was talking about Madeline Argy and Emma, Emma Chamberlain, and she wasn't saying anything bad about them. I'm a fan of both girls, but she was saying that this sort of brand of like mentally unwell, sad girl, messy girl, sleepy girl aesthetic it's marketing and like, yes, it is like who they actually are at their core, but it is branded 
and marketed in a way that intends to make money. So although Madeline argues like bedroom might be like a total disaster and mess, it might be easier for someone like her to have that bedroom that's a mess and whatever because she's posting pictures of it on the internet to make money. So the lifestyle of being that like messy, sad, mentally unstable, sleepy girl, like she's profiting off of that lifestyle. And so it was just like an interesting take because, right, I think it's really refreshing to see people like Emma and Madeline Argy blow up and get acclaim and have a platform because they're not showing this picture perfect aesthetic lifestyle. But at the end of the day, they're still taking pictures of sort of their their depression cave or whatever it is and posting it online and profiting off of it. So it might actually be easier for them to live in that space when they know that their lifestyle is making them money. Whereas a lot of other people who are depressed, who are going through it, who have a super messy bedroom, who are that like messy, sad girl aesthetic, they're not profiting off of their lifestyle. And it might not be bringing them any joy or comfort in the way that it does the, the other two girls in this example. Now, she explained it much better than I did, but it was just a really interesting thought to me. And it's something that I feel like I come back to a lot. Like even your relatable influencer, even your aesthetic, like every aesthetic influencer, every relatable influencer, every lifestyle influencer, every person that you perceive to be honest and real online A lot of them, of course, are being honest and real, but they still set up the phone. They still took multiple takes. They still thought to themselves, I'm going to curate a moment for the internet. And no matter which way you throw it, it is curation. The internet is a fake place. No matter how real that you are online, it's still a fake place. And I think it's just a comforting reminder that like, we're not seeing people's worst moments for the most part. And even when we do see someone's quote, worst moment, unquote, or a bad moment or a low moment for them, even when we get that, it's, it's still, it's still curated and it's still a fake place. And I think that that's one thing that's sort of been helping me at this time. But something else that has sort of been bothering me about the internet is, and we've talked about this before, like the, the, the blueberry milk nails and the latte makeup and all of that shit, just repackaging trends and pressuring us to buy things and like forcing us to fit into these aesthetics. And a lot of people will be like, well, just let us have our fun. Let girls have their fun. And like, yes, but I think it gets at a deeper problem. Like girl math and girl dinner is, is not a feminist thing. It's not girlies reclaiming things. And it's not because here's the thing. I think a lot of people think like girl math is like our way of reclaiming the fact that like men in society think that like girls aren't smart and girls can't do math, but like haha jokes on you. But it's like society and men don't think that we're reclaiming anything. Like it's just infantilizing women. That's all it's doing. Like it's just like at a broad level. Sure as a way to be like silly goofy funny with the girls, it's like a community thing within spaces of women, but on a broader level, girl math is infantilizing women. It is yet another way to make us appear more silly and stupid for the male gaze, even when the intention is to be silly and funny and, and turn that on its head and be like girl math and whatever. And it's a joke. It, it, it isn't actually doing that in the grand scheme of things. 
And it's just, it drives me a little crazy. And I think like a lot of the critiques of girl dinner are that like a lot of people's like quote girl dinners unquote are like glorifying disordered eating behavior. And the, and everyone is like, well, the original trend wasn't doing that. Well, the original trend was a woman saying whenever my, I forget if it was like boyfriend, fiance, husband is out of town or not home. I don't eat like this whole like prepared meal with like a protein, a carb and a veggie. But like my boyfriend, husband, fiance, he always needs a protein, a carb and a veggie, like specifically the protein at every meal. And like girl dinner is just like an amalgamation of shit that you throw together on a plate. But the thing is, even with the original trend, her husband, fiance, boyfriend was right. Your dinner should have a veggie carb and a protein. That's like a proper balanced meal. So it's just like continuously infantilizing women. And it's and it's so stressful to me that there's like fights going like let women have fun. And I'm like, I agree. Let women have fun. But like, can we have fun in another way? Because this is more harmful than it is helpful. And there's definitely somebody academic that can speak to that better than I can. But I think it drives me up a wall. All of these sort of like TikTokified trends. I think it makes our sort of dystopia about being in our mid 20s worse. And we're not even realizing it. Trends like the blueberry milk nails, the latte makeup, the girl dinner, the girl math. Like, of course, like I agree. Let women have a silly, goofy time. There are other ways to do it. I don't think this is actually helping us. I think it's harming us. And I think it's harming our perception of ourselves and pressuring us to either number one, act in a certain way or number two, spend money to achieve a certain thing that's going to go out of style in three days. That's totally inaccessible anyhow. And we don't need to be doing it because all we really need to be do, doing is dressing for ourselves, posting for ourselves and presenting in a way that we feel good about ourselves. And like, it feels like we've gotten kind of far from the plot. I think one of the things that makes me feel like I'm behind other people isn't so much where I'm at in my life physically, but it's more so where I'm at mentally And I think the best example I can give is like, again, a lot of people in my age range are getting engaged and married. And like, again, if you're getting engaged and married right now, and this is your moment and you feel ready for that, I'm so happy for you. I want that for you. I want everyone to make the choices for themselves that are going to make them feel the best inside and out. Like, that's what I want for you. If this is the moment in time that this is right for you. But for me, I don't care about getting married right now. I'm not even thinking about getting married. I think about getting engaged sometimes because I like the idea of like having a wedding and I like attention and I like planning my wedding on Pinterest. Like who doesn't? But I don't care about getting married right now. It's not even something I'm thinking about right now. Getting engaged is like, not even in my periphery. Like I just, it's not on my plate. And I feel kind of like, is it supposed to be? Because it feels sometimes like it's supposed to be. And the fact that people don't stop asking me when I'm going to get engaged makes me feel like it's supposed to be. And it's like, I can't stress it enough. Like let's all stop asking people when they're going to have kids, when they're going to get married, when they're going to get engaged, when they're going to move in with their partner, when they're going to find someone who the fuck cares? You have no idea if somebody even wants any of those things. And I think like for a really long time, I thought that I was supposed to care about getting married right now or getting engaged and like that I was a bad girlfriend and a bad person and like behind in life and like juvenile if I didn't want those things right now. But then I like talked to my boyfriend and like, we're just not ready. And then I just like thought about it more. It really doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You can be engaged at 21 or you could be like living at home at 21 and both of those are equal in value. You don't have to be doing anything that doesn't feel right for you and it doesn't make you behind 
if it feels like everyone is pressuring you to do something that you're not ready for. And by the way, the whole reason people ask all those questions is because society just arbitrarily tells us that those are things that we should be like wanting and looking for and going after in our 20s. And that's just like not the case. You don't need to be doing anything society tells you to do. Society doesn't know what's going on. Society doesn't know you. Like to be honest, society does not know you. Only you know you and your loved ones know you. And we have to start there. And so I think like with the whole concept of like, when are you guys going to get engaged? I don't know. And I don't actually, I don't care. It's not even like something I'm thinking about right now. And it pains me so much that for so long, I felt like I was in the wrong for feeling that way. I also think that people view things differently. Like for me, moving in together wasn't a step toward engagement. It was just, we wanted to live together. I think a lot of people think like, okay, we're moving in together because we're about to get engaged or like we're moving in together and the next step is engagement or we're going to get engaged and then move in together. Whatever you're doing, whatever journey and path you're on, that's your path. And I'm happy for you. That's what I want you to do. But for me, us moving in together was just like, we are in love today and tomorrow and we feel great about being together and let's move in together. Let's, let's give this thing a whirl. To me, it doesn't mean we're going to get engaged. Like it doesn't even mean that we'll be together forever. It just means that we're vibing right now and we fucking love each other. And like, since when is that a bad thing? Since when is that wrong? Like it just frustrated me for so long. Like when I was in Europe this summer, every single TikTok I posted was like, they're going to get engaged on this trip. And I was like, not even kidding you. Like if that happened, I would say no, like I'm not ready and it's not the moment. It's just really, and I know people are just happy for me. Like it's not with malice ever, you know? And I'm sure the people in your life that are saying things, it's not malice either. They're just happy for you. But I think we got to stop asking people why they are or aren't doing things in their twenties. Who the fuck cares? Remember your lane, stay there. Your lane is great. Like, I feel great about being a girlfriend at 25. I feel great about the fact that I don't know when I'm going to get engaged or married. That's what I want. I feel great about where I am in my life right now. And it took me a really long time to say that because to be honest, I don't feel like I know what's going on, but I feel great. And so I'm choosing to go, go where there's joy, go where I'm wanted, go where you're wanted. Like you don't have to be in these places, in these spaces where you feel like shit, Go in your lane and go toward the joy. That's what we need to be doing. And remember, like, you don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe people an answer about why you are or aren't doing anything. You don't owe anybody really anything, not even your friends. You don't owe people a text back. Now, is it polite to respond in a timely manner? Of course, but I just think the reminder of like, you don't owe people an explanation. You don't owe people a response. You don't owe people, you don't owe anyone shit. You owe it to yourself to follow your joy and go where you're wanted. That's all you owe. That's all you owe. And on the topic of friends, I've been talking a lot about making new friends. And I think the reason it feels so difficult to make new friends in your 20s is because nobody is on the same page. And when you're in college, everyone's sort of on the same page. When you're in high school, everyone's kind of on the same page. When you're in postgrad, nobody's on the same page. So it almost feels like, okay, like, well, I'm always used to having friends who are on the same page as me. Am I allowed to make friends who aren't? Yes. Yes. 
you should make friends who aren't on the same page as you. One of my favorite things about my friends that I've made in post-grad life is that some of them, I don't really know how old they are. Like I know they're in their twenties, but then like we'll be talking about college and they'll be like, yeah, because I'm two years older than you. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like I didn't even know because I don't care because you just make me happy and I want to hang out with you. And of course, like I, I vaguely know their ages, but there are some friends that I like totally forget that they're like a year younger than me or a few years older than me or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be on the same page as all your friends. It's nice to have friends who you're on the same page with because that just like is comforting and it helps like in life things, but you don't have to be on the same page as all your friends. That doesn't even make sense really because then what are you learning from people and, and what different and new and interesting things can you bring to the table? I think it's important to remember that like if you meet someone and you're in totally different chapters of life, that shouldn't be a red flag. That could be a green flag. Like think about all the things that you can teach someone if you're, let's say you're engaged, just got engaged, mazel tov, we're so happy for you. Please invite us to the wedding. And you meet a girl and she's single and she's like, I just got out of a relationship. Like I'm going to be in my crazy like single girl phase. You're in different phases of life. Neither is better than the other, but that doesn't mean you can't be friends. And so I'm going to encourage you as part of your homework to try to make a friend who you're not on the same page with. And that page can be relationship-wise, career-wise, goal-wise, life-wise, just not politics-wise. Try to make sure your friends are on the same page about that. You know what I mean, of course. But I just think, like, you can make new friends. You're allowed. Just because you're 25 or 26 or 30 doesn't mean everything is written in permanent ink. I do not know why we feel like we don't have whiteout. I feel like I'm writing with a fucking pencil. Ticonderoga. Is that a pencil company? A number two pencil. I'm writing with a pencil. I'm always erasing. I'm crossing out, scribbling. The journal page is a mess. The jersey's coming out a little bit. It always does when I get passionate. But like, nothing is permanent. You're allowed to make new friends. You're allowed to start over. You're not like done. You're 20. You're 25. You're 30. It doesn't even matter how old you are. You can always start over. And with the friends that you already do have, like, Sometimes you're going to be on the same page and you won't be anymore. And other times you're going to drift apart and that's also okay. And sometimes friendship in adulthood means catching up every one or two months. One of my closest friends is his name is Kieran. Hey baby, how are you? And we've been friends for a while now and we try to see each other as often as we can and we talk a lot. And we realized the last time that we saw each other, which was last weekend, that we hadn't seen each other in two months and we were like, okay, for New York, that's pretty good. Like, it, like, okay, what is two months? Like seven weeks, eight weeks? Like, yeah, weeks just fly by. And if you really only have two nights a week for socializing, like sometimes you're not going to get to see someone for two months and that doesn't make you less of a friend to them. And that doesn't make them less of a friend to you. Sometimes you're going to have friends that you see every week. Sometimes you're going to have friends you only see once every month for a quick catch up for brunch or a phone call. It's going to change. It's going to be uncomfortable. Change is always uncomfortable. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And remember, you have to be a friend to have a friend. So sometimes I'll be like, damn, I haven't heard from my friend like this person in a second. And then I'm like, well, I haven't reached out to them either. So like, who knows? They could be in the busiest month of their life. Something could have happened that they're not ready to talk about, or maybe they are. I haven't reached out either. So just remember that sometimes being a friend or having a friend when you're in your mid-20s does mean a monthly catch-up. And sometimes you have to put in a little extra effort. And sometimes someone needs you to be there for them. And sometimes you need them to be there for you. And things are going to change. And it's not always going to stay the same. And I think that's okay. Like, let's normalize 
Let's normalize that. I also have been noticing something for men in this phase of life, specifically straight men graduate college. And there's like two big like archetypes that come with the post-grad man. Number one is like man who's still stuck in college, man who's still acting like he's in a fraternity basement, like pre-games, post-games, pushing the bars, like kind of frat king, but post-grad. Option two is like career hardo, needs to rise in the ranks, needs to make X amount of money, like go, 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 work, 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 like taking all their energy and time and putting it into the career. Then there are just the men in the middle who don't really kind of like fit into either group. And they don't want to be friends with the people in either group, but they're not talking about it. So they don't find each other in the middle. And I am, I know so many of you are going to listen to this and be like, this is literally what my boyfriend is going through right now. And honestly, I hate to say it justice for the men in that situation. Like I hate to say justice for men. I never thought it would come out of my mouth, but like the, the, the men in the middle of those two groups who are having trouble finding community in their post-grad lives I feel for them because I think a lot more women are talking about this and finding each other and society kind of forces men into like boxes in a different way than it, than it forces women into boxes and the patriarchy like harms men as well. And the way it's harming them is very interesting because I don't even think that they realize it. They definitely don't. We know they don't, but I just think it's like encourage your man. If he is experiencing that to find those people in the middle because they do exist. Like I know several of them, I'm dating one of them and my brother's another one and they do exist. And I just think it's interesting. Like men are also going through this. And I feel like I'm, I'm speaking to the girls right now. Cause I know most of you are girls, gays and bays. And, and that's who I love. That's my community. That's my family. But I, I do think that there's men that are going through a very similar thing in a different way. When I was planning out this episode, I was really trying to think about like, what was the idea in my mind of a girl who was 25 and like the goal? Like, what did that look like to me? And where did I first see that or, or find that? And why is the idea of that girl who's 25 like, She's like married and she's like societally gorgeous and she like owns a house and like she like like who who is she? Like where did I come up with the idea that that's what I had to be when I was 25? I don't even want that. I don't want to be married right now. And I again, I'm not saying it's bad if you do. But what I'm saying is like I had an idea in my mind of what it looks like to have it all together. And I feel anxiety that I don't have that, but I don't even want it. So I'm trying to like consistently remind myself like that idea of this like picture perfect all put together girl in her 20s, like you don't even want to be that. And I just like, I want to see more role models who are like, I'm so excited to announce that I don't know what the fuck is going on. Not, I'm so excited to announce that I'm pregnant. I'm so excited to announce that I'm married. I'm so excited to announce this career change. Let's start celebrating not knowing. Let's start celebrating things happening in our 20s that aren't career-related, relationship-related, and um, child-related. Let's start celebrating just, like, fucking getting out of bed. Let's start celebrating the fact that we took a shower today and fed ourselves a meal. Like, I don't care if it was mac and cheese. You did that, girl. You fed yourself. Let's start celebrating those things because I think another problem 
is that social media is celebrating all this shit and a lot of us don't have it. So we're looking at it and we're like, well, fuck, like I'm never going to be celebrated. I'm literally rewriting the script. I'm rewriting the script. We need to start celebrating things other than just marriage, babies, and career. Every time I open social media, it feels like the people in their 20s who are being celebrated are being celebrated for engagement, marriage, babies, and their career. I'm rewriting the script. I'm going to start celebrating those of you who got out of bed today. I'm going to start celebrating those of you who took a shower and fed yourself a meal today. I'm going to start celebrating those of you who got through the day without crying, who had a win in therapy, who went on a first date after a traumatic breakup, who decided, you know what? I'm going to stop dating. I want to be single. I'm going to start celebrating the people who had a great night out with their friends, who didn't have social anxiety that night, and who, who were able to enjoy themselves without that kind of coming in and forcing them to want to leave. I want to start celebrating all of those little things because those are, those are wins too. And I am not saying that we shouldn't be celebrating engagement, marriage, babies, and career goals and career aspirations and career wins. We should be celebrating all of that. Like that's a no brainer. We always celebrate those things. That's when we're like popping the champagne. But I think a lot of the reason why some of us feel like shit in our mid twenties and some of us feel like we have our shit like not figured out and we don't have anything together and we don't know what we're doing is because we don't see people celebrating the little things. And I'm here to tell you right now, I'm popping a bottle of champagne tonight to celebrate getting through the motherfucking day. And maybe I'm not going to pop a champagne to like celebrate getting through every day, but like start celebrating yourself for the stuff you accomplish in your twenties, because it's not easy. You're taking care of yourself. You're exercising. You're keeping up with a social life. You're keeping your space clean. You're feeding yourself. You're trying to budget and finance. You're working or studying. You're trying to form new relationships. You're trying to maintain other ones. It's that's worth celebrating. That's a lot. That's a lot. So all I'm trying to say is these little wins in our twenties, we need to start putting them on a pedestal because when we open the internet, when we open Instagram and TikTok, and all we're seeing is people celebrating those big life events, we feel like we're behind if we haven't reached any of those yet, or if we don't plan to reach them at all, which is A-O-fucking-K. And that should be celebrated too. And I am celebrating you. Yeah. One way that I celebrate my day-to-day is I trick myself into everything being a production and a performance. And it's not even trick myself. It's just how I talk to myself. It's like, okay, I have to do laundry, but like slay, I get to do laundry. I'm going to put on Taylor Swift and like, it's going to be so fun when my apartment is clean when I'm done with this. And I'm like listening to Taylor Swift and like, I'm lighting a candle and it's so gorgeous and lovely. And like, my life is going to be so great once I finish this laundry. And I'm just going to like listen to Taylor Swift. And then once that podcast comes out, I've been waiting for him to listen to that. And then it's going to be done. Like I really hype myself up for the little shit. And that takes effort. It's definitely a mindset switch. But remember, our our conscious actions, they will become our subconscious actions. When we are consciously saying, like, let's hype myself up to do this thing I don't want to do, eventually you're just going to feel hype about it. Eventually it's just going to be your little moment. And and when you trick yourself into loving the mundane, like all this all all of a sudden the floodgates kind of open. And I'm not saying that things should always feel good. Things are allowed to suck. A lot of things just suck. And you got to embrace the sucking and you have to get to know those negative feelings too. But try to trick yourself into appreciating and liking the mundane every now and then. And I really think to surmise kind of all my feelings here, it's really comforting to know that no one cares what you're doing. At the end of the day, the amount that you're thinking about yourself, everybody else is thinking about themselves that much too. And 
the, the fear that you have about how much other people are thinking about you, they're actually not thinking about you at all. They're thinking about themselves. So it's really comforting to remember that like nobody thinks that you are a hot mess. And if they do, like that's really flattering that they're spending their time thinking about you for no reason. And no one really cares what you're doing. And I'm trying to comfort myself with that for now and comfort myself with talking about it because I'm proud of myself for talking about it. And I'm proud of myself for showing up with you guys and talking about it. And I'm proud of you guys for talking about it. And for feeling like this is something that we can all come together over. It's very special to me. Um, And I have some homework for you. I thought about like some things that we can do to feel better. So number one, I need you to when you're going about your day and you start feeling sad or anxious or upset about something like mid-20s shift funk related, say, do I need to care about this right now? Yes or no? Do I need to care about this right now? Yes or no? If you see yet another person get engaged and you're upset because you feel like you're behind, do I need to care about this right now? Yes or no? Absolutely fucking not. You do not. You don't. Wish them well and move on. Do I need to care about, you know, the fact that I think that my outfit is ugly right now? Yes or no? Maybe the answer is yes because you think it's ugly and we want you to feel pretty. But do you need to care about whether or not other people think it's ugly? Absolutely not because you feel pretty. Number two, I want you to do one thing that reminds you or harks back to your childhood joy. Something you loved when you were a kid. Watch your favorite movie from when you were a kid. Read your favorite book from when you were 10 years old. Do your favorite activity that you don't do anymore. Go back to childhood joy. And number three, and I remind you guys to do this a lot, but I'm just gonna remind it again for today. I want you to journal out the most ideal version of your life that you can imagine. And then on the next page, I want you to write down everything you'd have to change right now to get that ideal version. And then I just want you to think about doing one thing every week or every month to get you that ideal version. Because remember, this is our fucking life and we're in the fucking driver's seat. And that's a little scary when you're from Jersey and you're a bad driver like I am, but it's still happening. And I think that that's all for me today. And my opinions and thoughts around this are always changing and as are my emotions, but I love you guys so much. And I am in this with you. I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the mess of it. I am feeling every emotion and impulse with you. And I love you. I love you so much that it literally harms me to think about how much I love you. And I hope you're having a fabulous, wonderful, fantastic day. And I hope that now you can go back to listening to Slut by Taylor Swift because you listened to 54 minutes of me talking. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Share, like, subscribe. Give me a little review if you liked this episode. You guys are my world and I love you. Bye. Bye.